Truly, God is in the place. Yay. Pastor Mabel says that she could, he could tell I'm ready. <laughs> ha. I'm ready because God is ready. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the only reason I'm ready. Because God has sent a word and he's ready to impart it. Amen. Are you ready to receive it? Amen. Praise God. Amen. As we go into the word, I just want to thank God, as my husband said, for the awesome prayers that have been going forth by Godly love and everlasting love. We call ourselves one love. Amen. One love. Yeah. Going forth. Amen. And if you want to be a part of the prayer on Wednesday mornings at 5 o'clock, got to get up early, y'all. <laughs> got to get up early. Amen. I make myself get up about 4.45, 4.50, slap myself around, put some water on my face. Yeah. So I can be awake. Amen. To dial in. Amen. And it's on Zoom, but you don't have to have your picture there and your face there. We already said nobody wants to see us at 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Praise God. And then now we're back into Bible class on Thursday nights. If you want to tune in, it's not on Zoom. It's a phone conference line right now. Brother Carlton going to help me to get into the Zoom eventually for our Thursday night Bible class. And we started on, we started in Proverbs, amen. Yes, we did. And oh my God, just that first lesson we started last week again, we did the whole book of Romans in the spring. And now for the fall, we're in the book of Proverbs. If you wanna dial in, oh my God, we are learning so far. The ministers have been on the phone and we looked through uh, the first part of chapter one of Proverbs, and I promise I'll be willing, I'll be reviewing. If God said the same, God gives us another Thursday night. I plan to be reviewing Proverbs, the first 11 verses that we studied. Now all you have to do is dial in. After we finish Bible class, just like we did the book of Romans, we are going to award certificates of completion. Beautiful gold certificates. Amen. Yeah, because you drew near to learn and to study the word of God. Our scripture lesson today is coming from Mark the 14th chapter. And will you turn with me Many of you just have to open up your phones. You have to speak it in there. Some type it in there. Mark the 14th chapter, the third through the sixth verse, and we're going to be looking at it in the King James Version. Is that okay? Amen. I want to praise God for Pastor Maybell and Lady Z for all the, I want to thank God for all the ministers uh, from Everlasting Love Ministries and my husband, Elder Carl, and Pastor Shirley, and, and uh, Evangelist Shiva, and our praise and worship leader, and uh, Elder Antonio Hickam Bottom, and Pastor Wayne Bolden back there. 
for all the faithful members that are drawing near from Everlasting Love Ministries. And then all the ones that are drawing near, you're getting more and more faithful. You see that? Amen. That's because there's a good thing. Those of you who are viewing us on Facebook, there's a good thing happening over here in One Love. Amen. Yeah, we came to worship and God meets us here. Praise God. And it's not because of what we're doing. Huh, it's because of what he's doing in the midst of us. Amen. Mark, the 14th chapter. If you stand, those who wish to stand at the reading may do so. You don't have to, but if you wish to, amen. And it reads, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor. And they murmured against her and Jesus said let her alone why trouble you her she has wrought a good work on me amen I call your attention beloved to the end of the third verse and she break the box and poured it on his head and I offer you for our subject this morning the pouring out of love. Is that okay? The pouring out of love. Amen. I need you to help me confirm this thing. Turn to your neighbor. Turn to somebody and say, neighbor, our Jesus is all about pouring out real love. And I'm all about that too. Now, come on, let's give God some hand praise in this place. Uh, yeah, let's give him some hand praise. Amen. Praise God. My brothers and sisters, as we look at this story that happened so long ago, when we sing ancient of days, that means we are worshiping a God that is Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's at the head of the parade of your life. He's in the middle of the parade. He's at the end of the parade all at the same time. He saw you before you were born. He saw all the things you're doing while you're alive, and he knows how you're going to end. Yes. He's at the beginning of time. He's in the middle of time. He's at the end of time. In fact, Time is all about him. <laughs> so as we look at this story that happened when Jesus, the Son of God, walked the earth incarnate, we see that he had stopped at the house of Simon. The Bible identifies this Simon as a leper. If you remember lepers and leprosy, those who had leprosy used to be ostracized. They were put outside the body outside of the city and the reason they were put outside of the city because if you've seen the story on monkeypox you seen that yeah it was very contagious and it was ugly and it was pussy and it was skin falling off and sores and so they didn't want it 
Just like right now, we're trying to avoid monkeypox, right? Amen. And so they were put outside the city. But Jesus had healed. Point study, I found out that Jesus had healed this leper, Simon. And so now he's invited him into his house. And Jesus has stopped there at the house of Simon to eat. Imagine how privileged this man must have felt. This God, this Jesus who could work miracles, who could only speak to the waves and the waves would curl up and stop, who could stop storms, who could say, get up, take up your bed and walk, as we study one Sunday. People would take up cripples since birth and walk. Now he's sitting here eating in Simon's house. But we're going to look at something else that happened that we're concerned about today. A woman comes in. Mm. And we know that Jesus had others with him in the house. He carried disciples with him all the time. So Simon probably not only had to welcome Jesus in, but he had to welcome Peter, John, you know, yeah, all of them in too, Matthew, yeah. And so they came in and they... And they're sitting around, and in comes a woman. And her name is not mentioned in this particular telling, but it assumes it's the same Mary who was the sister of Lazarus. And you all know about Lazarus, right? Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Amen. And so she comes in, and she's, she's putting oil. She poured oil on top of his head. And the oil just flowed all about him. And I can just imagine she's rubbing his hair and she's anointing him. And the others are looking at this. And somebody, and it's probably Judas, because Judas is all concerned about money. Judas said, why is she wasting that precious perfume? Modern theologians say that stuff now today costs thousands of dollars. Just a little bit of it. And so Judas is looking at this, and he says, that stuff, that precious perfume could have been sold, and the money could have been given to the poor. He wasn't thinking about no poor. Amen. Judas was not thinking about no poor. <laughs> None of them probably were thinking about poor. And it was just amazing that she would take something so precious and put it, pour it out on someone's head. In the King James Version of this story, it says that the perfumed ointment was 300 pence. And like I said, it's recently figured out to have been worth hundreds, thousands of dollars. And the disciples said, what is she doing? But look at Jesus. He gave them an answer. Yeah. A lot of times, Jesus would give people answers they didn't expect. Yeah, there was a story told when Mary and Martha were uh, at, uh, Jesus was at Mary and Martha's house. And Martha was in the kitchen and she just cooking and she just fixing things. And Jesus and his disciples in there. And there was Mary, her sister, sitting at his feet, listening to every wonderful word that was falling from his lips. But Martha got upset and she said, Jesus, look, would you tell my sister to come in here and help me? And she didn't get the response that she thought she was going to get. Jesus said, Martha, 
Martha, you're so worried about so many things. But Mary has chosen the better part. Yeah, Mary's getting close to me. Mary is studying at my feet. Mary is learning. Mary is getting even more healing, even more answers to her problems, even more deliverance. But Martha, Martha, you're just so busy that you're not taking the time. So now when the disciples asked him, what is she doing? Jesus retorts, y'all leave her alone. Leave her alone. She's doing a good thing to me. She's doing a wonderful thing. One of the um, uh, interpretations says she's doing a beautiful thing to me. My brothers and sisters, there are several pertinent things that I want to point out about this story to us today. Number one, this woman was giving her best. Ah, yeah, her most precious belonging. And she anointed our Jesus head in gestures of love, sacrifice, and appreciation. Nothing is too good. Nothing that you have is too good that you can't give it up to show Jesus love. I stand to tell you that our Jesus loves it when we surrender our best to him. Yes, when we put him before our cars. Oh, huh. when we put him before our family and even our money. Oh, oh, Jesus loves it when we pour out our time for him. For time, as we said already, belongs to him anyway. How many times saints of God have traded pouring out our time of worship on Sundays in other things? Yeah. Saturday night birthday parties that lasted too long. Got you all tired out. Lodge meetings that met till after 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Sports gatherings that tired you out just from all the cheering. Even in your living room, tired you out. Family reunions that were just too much, left you too weary, you in bed, you can't make it out on Sunday morning. Ooh, anything that takes our time of pouring out our praise and our love on Jesus. How many saints of God have forgotten their first love? The one who called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. The one who gave them big, beautiful homes just anyhow. Mm-hmm. Yes, kept your children safe from bullets. Yes, you know that was God that did that, right? Brought the loved ones, brought your loved ones back home. Yes, somebody was looking for a loved one to come back home. Yes, raised you from sick beds. Oh, my God. Yeah, when you were in operations and turmoil and pain and, and doctors giving you bad reports, God turned that thing around. Amen. Amen. I'm looking in the faces of some. I know he turned it around for them. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus is looking for someone who still wants to pour out some real love. I believe he stands ready to tell your enemies. Y'all better leave my child alone. Ooh, just like he told those disciples, y'all better leave her alone. 
Jesus is ready to tell people who messing with you because of your love for him. Jesus is standing ready to tell somebody who's saying you go to church so much. You don't have enough family love. You miss the family party because you just had to get to church. I'm tired of hearing you talk about God all the time. I think you just got crazy with this stuff, this church stuff. Jesus is saying, y'all better leave my child alone. Woo-hoo. Yes, Lord. Somebody better leave God's children who are pouring out pure love on Jesus today. He said, touch not mine anointed. Hmm. Do my prophets no harm. Same God speaking today, yesterday, and forever. Now I want to look at the second thing that's emerging from our story. And that is sacrificial love for others. I believe that's how we greatly, you know, see Jesus. I believe the greatest act that one could do in pouring out true love is done by us when we help out the poor. Oh, I was looking at TV the other night and saw, oh, this possessed and disinherited people running from the hardships in Mexico and now they stopped off at Texas and Texas is getting overrun. I talked with somebody who's in Texas and they say they're everywhere. I mean it's like we, we can't go nowhere. There they are. They come across the border so the governor put them on the bus and sent them to Chicago. Many of them. He sent them to other cities. Right. Now, you may say, well, they're going to be taking our jobs soon. Some of us are saying they, don't, they need to go back to home or whatever. Where is our love? Oh, my God. Where is our love? That's all I can say. If I got some thoughts like that, Jesus, clean me up. Oh, my God. My God. One person said on a recent show, the question was on Family Feud, who loves you more when you have money? Hmm. Yes, one of the family members said, mm, your family? Bing, right answer. <laughs> Someone said, um, mm, your friends? Bing, right answer. Someone said, oh, mm, ah. Your co-workers, bing, right answer. One answer left. Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? I'm thinking your children, you know, whatever. And it got to the lady and she said, so Steve Harvey repeated the question. Who loves you more when you have money? The lady said, everybody, bing. <laughs> Yes, yes, everybody love you when you got money. You know that? They come out of the woodworks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but let's look at the converse, the opposite of this. Mm. Who loves you when you ain't got a dime? Ooh, Lord Jesus. Can anyone answer that question? Mm. Number one, your mama? Your mama, maybe? And she's on your back to get a job. <laughs> Who loves you when you ain't got a dime? Mm. 
prayerfully somebody know Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> bing, right answer. Two more answers. Who loves you when you ain't got a dime? Somebody. Mm, ran out of time. Bomb. <laughs> Next one. We'll repeat the question. Who loves you when you ain't got a dime? Hmm. Hmm. Bong. Ran out of time. Oh, my God. So what am I saying? God wants us to realize that true love goes beyond what somebody can pay you back. True love goes beyond when ain't nobody got a dime to give you to help you out. Pouring out love on someone who can't pay you back in any way is what Jesus is looking for. Sacrificial giving of ourselves. Hmm. I think about people like Harriet Tubman who braved dogs. She braved dark woods of Mississippi. She braved getting lynched, hung up, beaten if she got caught. But she went back time and time again and led 300 more people to freedom. People she knew were being abused and whipped and made to work in hot blazing sun, picking crops. It was not enough for her to be free. But she loved God and she loved her people. She loved people too much to just enjoy freedom. Love is an action word. Did you know that? Yeah, love is an action word. You can tell me you love me all day. But I don't see no action behind it. I ain't believing you. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe you. <laughs> it's hard to believe anybody who says I love you, but yet they just going on about their way. Mm. They see you need some advice, some help. Your child is acting up. What can you say? What you know? They see you are destitute. You just need just a little uh, food to carry you over. They see you, you know, and all they can say is I love you, but no action. You know, even pouring out, pouring, the verb pouring is an action verb. Mm. Going beyond our comfort to help someone else is an action word. Making someone else happy with no chance of you getting anything back from them is sacrificial action. And I know our Jesus is pleased when we go beyond ourselves to show others that we have love. And that's why we find in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth knoweth God. He that loveth not mm, knoweth not God. For God is love. Oh, yes. Somebody ought to give God a hand praise for that. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm reminded of a friend, a girlfriend of mine. We were, and it's almost, it's almost strange. You almost can't say a girlfriend of mine because immediately somebody think, oh, my God, you know, I didn't know she was that way. No, I ain't that way. 
And I got a lot of girlfriends, praise God. <laughs> well, this girlfriend of mine, if you will, we taught some years ago together, many years ago. And she, I was married already, and she was single. She was still single. She was very attractive. She was pretty. She dressed nice. Her nails were always done. Uh, she had, and I don't want to call her name because she might be looking on Facebook. But anyway, <laughs> and, and I mean, she was just a pretty single teaching teacher. And she taught on, in an impoverished area in Chicago. And I was teaching at another school. Well, she had a little girl in her fifth grade class. Now, all the other girls were doing pretty well. They came, you could tell they had mamas and daddies, you know, my hair was combed and whatever. But this little girl, every time she came, she looked so disheveled. She looked like, you know, she just barely was put together. So my friend took a special interest in her. And let's just call her Lisa, okay? And so... Um, Fifth grade came and went, and she went on to another grade because she was there at school most of the time. So she passed my friend's class, and, you know, she did her work, but she just looked so disheveled. And so in fifth grade, um, my friend, well, her name is, jo her last name is Jones. I'll say that, Miss Jones. She said, Miss Jones, uh, I got here. Ain't nothing going to keep me from coming to school. And my friend said, that is so wonderful, Lisa. That's so wonderful. So time passed. The girl went on to sixth grade. Then she went on to seventh grade. And then she was in eighth grade. And she was 13 years old. She had made it to eighth grade. So my friend saw in other classes when she was going to other teachers that she still looked hopelessly disheveled. I mean, just pitiful. You could tell her hair had been washed or whatever. So my friend said, Lisa, she said, you think you could get away this Saturday and let's go shopping? She said, I want to take you. She said, I can, I can come. So she said, well, okay. She said, you think your mother will mad? She said, no, my mama won't mad. She said, okay, well, I want to meet you. I'll pick you up from home or whatever. She said, well, well um, right now I'm staying with my auntie, so could you pick me up on the corner of such and such and such? And, it's, uh, and so she said, okay, I'll pick you up. And so they arranged to be, she arranged to be picked up. Now, my friend is very tiny, and she's about a size five or six the teacher. So the girl is also was also tiny. And so she brought her clothes on the way, you know? But she took a shop and they shopped all day long. All day. She even took her out to eat, you know? And she told her how to fix her hair. She bought stuff for her, you know? And she said, Miss and she said, Oh Lisa could talk about Miss Jones, let me tell you, I think such and such, you know, somebody says she's not coming back to school because she's pregnant. And, and, and uh, my friend said, pregnant, eighth grade? Yeah, I think she pregnant. And she said, Lisa just kept talking about, she pregnant. And I hear that such and such pre. And she said the conversation just went on and on. But this little child was so skinny and so little, it never crossed her mind. So that night, about 2 or 3 o'clock, I get a call, 3 in the morning. And my friend was just so distraught. She said, guess where I just came from? So what she said, I just came from the hospital. She said, they called me in. 
She said, what? She said, yeah, she said, she said, when I got there, a detective woman met up with me. And she said, yo, this girl that we got in one of the rooms, say, you can attest to the fact that she was with you all day long. Miss Jones said, what's her name? Lisa such and such. Yes, I, she was. We went shopping. She was with me all day long. They said, she's had a baby. And we want to know where the baby is. Wow. Miss Jones said, no, no, she was with me all day long. They, she said, I, I can tell you she was with me all day long. And, you know, she, no, she was not pregnant. You know what? They said, she's had a baby, a full-term baby. Her body is showing that she came in in extreme pain. And, and we need to know where the baby is. So they said, now you could go in and talk, and a detective is coming in the room with you. And so she said, okay. So she went, and Lisa was laying in the room. She said, Lisa, they're saying you had a baby. And she said, I know, Miss Jones, they talk about I had a baby. I ain't had no baby. They said, and the detective said, she's had a baby. She's got to admit, she's got to tell us where is the baby. So she said, Ms. Jones, I don't know what they're talking about. And so she asked the detective lady to please step out just for a moment. She said, Lisa, why are they saying that? They say your body shows, you know, you had a baby. And she says, Ms. Jones, I guess I did. And they said, she said, well, where is it? She said, where is it? What you do with it? She said, no, I don't have it no more. She said, where is it? She said, I don't know. I don't know. She said, when you dropped me off, I guess I had a baby. Well, anyway, she called the detective back in, and she admitted, yes, she had a baby. She said she had a baby, yes. I said, did she tell you where it is? She said, she doesn't know where it is. So they questioned and questioned her, and she said she had just dropped it off in a can somewhere. Well, it took a day and a half, and they found the baby. But meanwhile, I'm trying to comfort my distraught friend on the phone. And they found the baby, and the baby had been born alive, and Lisa had thrown the baby in a garbage can and topped it up, and the baby was dead. And so she had to go to court and everything when she got released. And my girlfriend said, I have nothing else to do with her. I mean, she could have had that baby while we were together. I just, I'm just, I said, no. You gotta have something to do with her now. This is the time she needs love. She didn't know what love was all about. She'd never had, obviously, and her mother was a crackhead. She was living in some basement with an aunt who didn't really care. She didn't know love. I said, no, my friend, this is the time you gotta love on her. Amen. You got to love on her. You got to pour out some serious love. She got a life full when it finally realized, when she finally realizes the, the thing, the travesty of killing that baby. Oh, my God. This is the time you got to love on her. I came to tell you today, beloved, that pouring out true love goes beyond how 
we feel goes beyond any guilt we felt somebody has and don't deserve our love. Pouring out real love is sacrificial. God has sent this word today because somebody is hanging in the straits of loving somebody or giving up on somebody. You've got to pour out love if you want to see Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. God is counting on the, the saints of God. He's counting on you to show real love, to pour out some real love. You know all of these things where the kids are snatching the cars and, 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 and putting, these folks are looking for attention. They never had love. <coughs> True, they're crime. They're, they're doing crime. But we, if we were out there, don't you know, we were spreading more of true love. If we were pouring out the love that Jesus called on us to pour out, that some of this stuff would stop. Don't you know that? The saints of God pouring out true love. Amen. Our best example. God, here comes the good part, y'all. Our best example of sacrificial love. Pour it out for me and you was Jesus himself. Oh, yeah, it was Jesus. Hallelujah. It's first Sunday, and traditionally we take communion on the first Sunday. And if you're really listening to the preacher who's ever who's administering communion, you may hear the words. As you take this bread, Jesus said, and drink this cup. What does he say? Remember me. Yes, it's not just a traditional thing we are doing. We're remembering the pouring out of true love for us on Calvary. Jesus wants us to know that no greater love can be shown than when one gives up their life for another. Oh, no. Ooh, what kind of love with the king of glory? <laughs> what did he feel for us? Something that he created can't even hardly give him back any love. Can't, don't even want to get up out of bed. Don't want to make our way. Don't want to go next door to a neighbor and knock on the door and say, can I help you out? Yes, hide our cakes when they know there's bacon so nobody will smell them and want the cakes. Mmm. Yes, Lord. We know that in his giving up of his love for us, his blood poured from inflicted wounds. Blood flowing, beloved. Blood flowing from a thorny crown they placed on his head. And it made holes in his head. And the blood poured out for us. Love poured out. The Bible says he could have called on the angels. He could have said enough is enough. But he endured the cross. Blood poured from the nails, drilled through the bones in his hands. I need to paint this picture. Some of us have heard this so many times, but we don't know that there are others who really haven't gotten the picture. Nails were put in his hands. Oh, in this hand, in this hand. And they say the blood flowed. It went through the bones. It went through the flesh. And the weight of the body, ooh, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The weight of the body was enough for him to say, oh, please, please get me down. To cry out, please get me down. But the Bible says he didn't murmur that kind of word. Mm -mm. Yes. And blood poured. Oh, we're talking about love pouring out for you and me. Fluid gushed from the wound. Yeah, because to check to see if he was dead, they stabbed him in the side. 
and blood and other fluids gushed from the wound. Yes, blood. No greater love than Jesus dying for me. No greater love than Jesus dying for you. Me and you who certainly didn't deserve it. You and me who've gotten away with all kinds of secret sins. No greater love. Oh, my God. Songwriter said, oh, not just how I love Jesus, but oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Yes, 1 John 3 says, oh, what manner of love is this? that we should be called the children of God. Oh, my God. Not only like the songwriter says he calls us friends. <laughs> yeah, but he even calls us his children. Yes. Blessed are the peacemakers. Yes. For they shall be called the children of God. Yeah, Romans 5 and 8 says he commended his love toward us. He didn't wait till we got ourselves together before he gave his love for us, before he hung on the cross. In other words, everything that we have done, God already saw it and knew it, but Jesus had already died. All we have to do hmm, is confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in our hearts huh, that God raised him from the dead. Yes, and we shall be saved. There's so much to be grateful for this morning, you all. Yeah, we're talking about love. I love that note Pastor Maybell had in his pocket. Reminded us of the greatest thing he could have written to us and still writes to us today. You've got to believe he's here. Yeah, he's here. You came into this place to know that he loves you. Yes, he commended this love toward us. When the world abuses us, when the world scorns us, when the world mistreats us, he says, come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, for I will give you rest. Take this yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah, someone here needs to know that when Jesus pours out his love on you, and you could just believe that he's doing it even now, you enter into a rest. Yeah, trials and tribulations will still come, but you enter into a rest. Yes, you do. Yes, you enter into a, a, a love peace that only Jesus can give you. Songwriter said, I don't know why Jesus loves me. And I don't know why he cares. I don't know why he sacrifices life for me. Oh, but I'm glad. <laughs> oh, but I'm glad. Oh, but I'm glad. Oh, but I'm glad. Yeah, oh, but I'm glad. Yeah, oh, but I'm glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. This morning, I'm so glad. Yeah, I'm so glad. Hallelujah, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you all love me too, but I'm really glad. Oh, I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. Yeah, nobody can take it away. 
Yeah, nothing can come that can take it away. It sounds like I'm about ready for one of my favorite scriptures, right? Hallelujah! For I am persuaded <laughs> that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, come on y'all, shall be able <laughs> to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful thing to know? Yeah, nothing can tear you away. Nothing can separate you. Hallelujah. Yes, it's time. Yeah, God, it's time to pour out some real love. Let God see you. Yeah, going beyond, going above and beyond to love the unlovable. Yeah, to love the poor, to love those who can't give it back. Yes, yes, yes. I believe God is here. <laughs> I believe he's here in this room today. Oh, my God, somebody is ready to walk away from somebody who has proven to be very unlovable. But God is sending this word to you. Continue to pour out your love. Don't get weary in well-doing. There is now therefore laid up for you a crown. <laughs> yeah, God, it's not over. Mm, let us stand. <laughs>